0: Hi, this is Amanda Dolan, and welcome to the Mental Society. We're going to start that all over because that did not go well. (laughs) Hi, this is Amanda Dolan, and welcome to the Mental Society. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Trina. Um, Trina, thank you so much for being here with me today.
1: My pleasure.
0: So Trina and I are going to talk a little bit about her history, and then um, we're going to talk with her wife as well uh, about her mental health history, and then we're gonna talk about them to get talk with them together about how they live together as a couple uh, with well mental illness because I think it does impact some, if not all, of how we are in relation with people. So Trina, thank you so much for being here. and if you would just would you start with a little bit of your
1: story? Sure. So I am um, the product of a teenage pregnancy. My mom was 15 and a half when she had me. Um, I learned very early to people please, to keep the peace at all costs because daily I didn't know what to expect um, coming home. So that played into um, adulthood of course. I will say this, once my mom learned to do better, she did do better, but the seeds had already been planted and um, had grown into full-blown people-pleasing, full-blown fear of rejection, full-blown self-hatred and self-loathing at times because of the abuse that I endured growing up, so. That's kind of a little bit of my background as far as mental illness.
0: I think sometimes we underestimate the the impact that our family of origin can have on just our our mental health and well-being, and that just because someone does better doesn't mean that it's enough and that it's not still harmful, right? And sometimes someone's best is still not good enough for us. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I know that you have a daughter, um, yes, and she is eighteen.
1: Is she that is. She'll be nineteen um, in
0: July. That's so exciting. So, now, how old were you then, if you don't mind sharing, because that would reveal your age? Um, <laughs> how old were you when she was born?
1: Thirty-five.
0: Thirty-five. So that is a yes. stark difference between when your mom had you. Yes. And and you became a mother. Right. Uh, so how did that change how you showed up as a mom compared to how your mom showed up for you?
1: You know, I was determined that I did not want to be a mom at first out of fear that I was going to perpetuate the cycle. And so although my heart's desire was to be a mom, I kept suppressing that because I was like, I don't want any child to come into this world and experience what I experienced and my mom was abusive her mom was abusive but it was just that generation of you know this is you know spare the rods for the child situation so um (laughs) my daughter gosh I she's just the greatest joy to me um I knew that when I was ready to become a mom I would be even though I was a late life mom I would be um, better because I was a little more settled in myself. It was therapy that helped me to see that um, I didn't have to perpetuate the cycle. Mm -hmm. A a lot of work went into into preparing myself for that emotionally. And even in her upbringing, Amanda, when I had to correct her, it was the worst thing in the world for me because I was like, I'm a horrible mom. I'm being mean. I'm abusive. Oh my God. I'm perpetuating this cycle. When the truth of the matter was I was disciplining her and disciplining her appropriately, but it was so functional. It felt dysfunction. It felt odd because it was so functional for lack of a better word, you know, um, dysfunction is all I knew.
0: And it can almost be uncomfortable when there's, like, that normal, healthy, if you will, relationships happening because we're not used to them. And I think, you know, one of the things you pointed out just now is, like, you didn't want to have a child because you were afraid of perpetuating. And I kind of heard this, look, she's even people-pleasing this child before the child even existed in this this world. Sorry, I just... I don't, I don't know if that hits for you, but that's just something that I heard. And so just offering that up to you.
1: Actually, it hits pretty close to home. It it It's the nail on the head, actually, because there was so much, I know we all as parents have those dreams of, you know, my, my child, my son or daughter, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and, and so on and so forth and give them the absolute best of me and all of that. Um. While I had those thoughts, I also was like, and I'll never abuse her, and I'll never, never yell at her, and I'll never this, this, and this, and this. And that was unrealistic. It was. I, I, of course, I raised my voice. And, of course, she looked like, huh? Because you don't raise your voice at all very often. And, of course, I went through the mires of serious depression because I felt horrible, like I had damaged her for life. And it's like, no, she was in a dangerous situation and right, you had to raise your voice.
0: And there's that difference between like, you know, hey, kiddo, you're running into the middle of the street. Stop. And yeah, I may grab your arm to pull you back. Now, it's not like I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to protect you as opposed to. You didn't load the dishwasher right. And so now I'm going to yell at you about what an idiot you are. And I don't know if the, I'm speaking from my own experience, but, you know, and and I know that I have done my very best to end some of that generational trauma that's happened. And I know I have not been perfect because, well, we're human, but Absolutely. I do know that I'm better than my mom. I also know my mom was better than her mom. Um, And, you know, my mom was a later mom like you, she was 34 when she had me and 37 when she had her had my sister. And I think that may have impacted, you know, some of it because she had done some healing, um, but maybe not all the healing she needed to do. Of course, in the 70s, healing looked very different than it does today.
1: Absolutely. Yes, you, ma'am.
0: You touched a little bit on depression. So have you been diagnosed with a mental illness or
1: just- I have um depression, depression and anxiety. And um, growing up, that's just not something you talked about. I was very sad and we didn't quite know why I was sad. I was prone to crying and it was like, why are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about. I don't know. Why are you? What's wrong with you? I don't know. And it's what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you on repeat in my head? So then I suppressed the sadness as best I could. because all I wanted to do was keep the peace, and I didn't want to keep hearing what's wrong with me when I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I mean, there was no way for me to know that um, I had a chemical imbalance or have a chemical imbalance. There was no way to know these things. And in our community, well, let me back, let me say this differently. For me, my experience as an African American in my immediate circle, um, This You did not discuss mental illness. You did not take it outside of the house because no one cared anyway. And there was no way you were going to bring shame unto the house and the family. So in the shower is where my tears would fall or in the bathroom, repeatedly flushing the toilet so you can't hear me crying. But when I came out that bathroom or I came out that shower, I had the most beautiful smile on my face it didn't reach my eyes but it didn't matter
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i had that smile on my face
0: because you were playing yeah. that part that was told... one of
1: many masks
0: and and those masks can get in our way because when we don't feel right like we keep it all inside of us and then it explodes and i was i was reading um uh complex a book complex ptsd by peter it is going to escape me. And so I'm going to try to find it. Um, so I'm I was reading this book by by Pete Walker. Sorry. So it's complex PTSD from surviving to thriving.
1: And wow. one of the things
0: he said in there was his um one of his uh patients was crying and his dad said something like, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. And his patient wanted to say, Well, you already did. Yes. Um, and I thought that was a really powerful statement that it was just like, you know, I'm all, like you already gave me something to cry about, like how about you love me right. and, and support me. Uh, and that's such a, a big thing. And I'm sure another thing. I was talking to um an author, his name's Lee Wind, and he's a queer author. He wrote the coolest book. It's called No Way They're Gay, it's a mystery <laughs> book about people who are gay. And I love the title. But um, he was talking about a study that he found that said that when kids have one supportive adult in their life, it can make such a difference and their resiliency and how they experience the world. But if you're in a community where you can't be vulnerable and you can't share that, it's got to feel like there's not a lot of support, even from the other adults around you.
1: Right. And that. You take that with you, or I did, into adulthood. And again, I was not going to drop my mask because it wasn't safe to drop my mask. I carried that into relationships, um, in, into marriage, even into working dynamics, you know, with, with the employer. You and kept that mask.
0: Yeah, because it was safer than being vulnerable. And I know I've experienced that as well. Um, and so when you talked about, you know, in relationships, how did how did that mask and not being authentic show up?
1: And I go back again to, um, I know I'm using people pleasing quite a bit, but that's really the, <laughs> that's the accurate, accurate. Well, may I
0: offer you something with that to give you Please. even another word? so in um you know i'm sure you've always heard of the fight or flight oh yes there's a new there's there's two more which is also freeze and fawn and fawn is that i'm going to take care of you so that you like me and so i don't rock the boat so i'm I'm just going to offer that to you as another like layer of there's another word that you can throw in there. And there's, I mean, think about it, like fawning, making someone feel good. And you're doing that out of self-protection, just like when you freeze or you fight or you flee. And so it's out of self-protection too, not just, you know, because that was what you were taught.
1: I I so appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I like that a lot. I'm a natural nurturer. Um, And so you asked how this played out in relationships. Fawning, lots and lots of fawning. But um, because I was a natural or am a natural nurturer, I was a nurturer without boundaries. So anything that they wanted, pretty much I accommodated um, while losing myself in the process. Dying and inside, any time that I did voice, stand up for myself. the fallout just wasn't worth it. it. It just wasn't at the time until I started raising my daughter. And that was the different motivation to know it's okay to stand up for yourself because I had this child that I'm shaping that is following everything that I do.
0: And there's so much of that. Like, what do I want my child mm-hmm. to know and to be, you know, part of like, you know, and ending my, my marriage, I'm just going to share some of my story along the way, of but you know, it was, what is this telling your children? Like, is this the kind of relationship that you want your kids to end up in? And it can be the same way, right? When it comes to people pleasing, do I want my child to people please? Do I want my children to to do the same that I did that got in my way? so that sounds very much like that, that. It
1: is, it is. And that was, gave me the strength to pursue therapy even more in depth and more, more diligently, and also to walk away from some relationships, because if I'm in something that I would not want my daughter to be in, that is not okay. That that's not how would, and I would put her, I would. I would put her in my shoes in the regards of thinking if she came to me, if Olivia, that's my beautiful baby, if she came to me and relayed this very same situation that I'm in to me, what's the first thing that I would say to her? Honey, get out. You don't deserve this. you know, You're worth so much more. And then it hit me, Trina, why aren't you saying these things to yourself? Get out of this. You deserve so much more. Wow. So it pushed me into really focusing on my mental health. Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, that came, you know, you said 35 is when she came along. So several years down the line, um, I'm guessing is when therapy really became part of your, your existence. Yes. What was the benefit of therapy for you?
1: To be... To understand me, to switch from what is wrong with me to what happened to me, um, to recognize that my tears were okay, and to be able to say, even with no shame anymore, I have I'm depressed, or I am anxious, and it's okay. At least for me. It had to be okay for me to acknowledge that, that I'm I'm depressed, I have depression. I, I take medication um, to stay balanced and there's no shame in it.
0: And I'm curious, because I know this is something that I experienced. Did you find the right therapist on the very first try?
1: Oh, goodness, no. No, the, my very first therapist was so passive. I, I honestly had to tell her, I said, I'm gonna walk all over you. I'm, a, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm going to walk all over you. I can sit and I, I know exactly what to say enough to, I was, crazy is not a word that I like to throw around a lot, but I'm just going to, this is what I told her. I said, mm-hmm. I'm just crazy enough to know what I can say to get my medicine, but what not to say to be committed.
0: Oh, Period. I think that there's so many people with mental illness that, especially when they've been that people pleasing, they felt like they've watched on eggshells, like, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You, you've learned how to say just enough to get what you need, but not so much that you upset anyone. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> um,
0: you know, it's, I had a similar, well, my first therapist in my like new wave of of recovery. Once I was diagnosed, she was exactly what I needed at the time. She was so gentle and kind. Um, and she held space for me. And then I got well enough that I needed someone to well kick my ass you know
1: like absolutely
0: and and that's when you know the real healing for me began um and so you also mentioned that the people pleasing and the taking care of everyone and the mask impacted work as well right so how did that show up in work like not standing up for yourself or taking Uh, on far more than you needed to
1: yes all of the above um not standing up for myself, whatever they put on my plate, I took it. Um, Sure. Yes, of course. And, you know, especially with them even saying, if you can't do it, that's fine. Oh, no, no worries. You know, I've got this, this, that, and the other. And I recently had an incident at work where I was asked, is that okay? And I said, you are asking me if something is okay, as though I have a choice in the matter. I said, no, it's not okay. It's not but it needs to be done and I'm the person that's going to do it. Amanda, that was huge for me to be able to say, no, no, it's not okay. And I do expect to be compensated and I do expect to um, see this on on evaluation time. I said these things. I was so excited when I told my wife because it's like, she reminds me, you know what? They're they're starting to take advantage of you. No, you're going to have to say no and so forth. And it's, I'm like, it's, yeah, but I'm, I'm this, that or the other. So like, if you weren't there, they were still going to make it.
0: Yes. I mean, that's, you know, and the, I think sometimes we forget that, that we are really replaceable in most of our jobs. Yeah. um like not our like but but we're not in those personal relationships like to our children, our spouse,
1: mm-hmm. partners,
0: friends, we're not replaceable to them and so we need to show up for yes. them in our best way. And it sounds like your wife Nora really wants you to show up in your best way, not just with her but in
1: the world. She does. She really does. And um you know now we have um a therapist that we're just going back to the therapy we have a therapist that we see and I realized that all of the healing that had taken place up until meeting her prepared me for this she is so no holds barred and we'll call you on your shit you don't get to, excuse me oh, we'll yeah. Call you. <laughs> yeah she'll call you on your shit you don't get by with that and it's like Well, you are exactly what I never knew I needed.
0: You know, and I'm going to just for our listeners, I'm going to disclose that I've known Nora for about 10 years now, but I've not known Trina quite that long. So. um, And so I but I remember Trina the first time I met you at church and just the. I don't even know how to describe it. There was just this light and love that just radiated from you. And that is how you showed up when I met you, um, but also not in a, I'm going to let people walk all over me and not in a mask. It truly felt like you, you loved. And that you loved me because I love Nora. And, you know, like that, that's how you showed up for me when I first met you. Um, And I'm sure that all the work that you did really impacted that. But also how did being loved, kind of unconditionally by someone
1: help with that. That is, um, first of all, thank you, because that's a goal of mine. And I, I'm like, I do want to show up and be present for people. And the way you described me, I get described that way so often that it blows my mind. I'm like, they're like, that is genuinely who you are. So thank you. And I'm, I'm grateful. Um, how does being loved by somebody, you know what, scary, scary, it's very scary it's scary okay. but at the same time it is so amazing and i'm so thankful that when i know we're going to talk together but at the time that she showed up in my life was at a time of recovery and where i was going she had actually already been and was able to walk me through that too and encourage me with that but it's scary because it's like Am I going to do something to mess this up, to sabotage this? You know, as she gets to know me, as more layers peel off, is she still going to want to be around? Can she stand me at my darkest? Yeah. You know, and that's the scary part. And then you're dark and you look up and there she still is. Or you've yelled or you've, you've, you know, allowed yourself to be vulnerable and you're standing for me. I'm standing and waiting for, you know, up, can't do this. Only to then be embraced and loved, even still mind blowing. And it, I, I'm
0: wondering if, you know, because you said growing up, you've got lots of what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. That was that was shame based. Yes. And then. I'm wondering, is it is it in this relationship, uh, you know, like what's wrong with you? How can I help? Instead of what's wrong with you, get your shit together and fix it.
1: Because I think what's been instrumental is um, apart from me, Nora is very diligent about her mental health. She just is. That's something that is very important to her. She's
0: yeah.
1: aware and um, recognizes triggers and so on and so forth. So that's something that I was still coming to terms with. And it does feel good to be loved from a place of anything but shame. And that's been the difference. It's like you allow me, we allow each other those moments and still we're there. It's it's hard to describe in some ways.
0: And it, it sounds like not only is she a partner, but she's been in some ways a model of how to love yourself and... Pay attention to what your needs are when it comes to keeping your health, mental health well too.
1: Yes, for um for me. Now she will show up. And I just want her to show up for herself as well. And she's getting there. She really is. But she'll she'll be able to share her story too.
0: And I'm gonna I wanna kinda end with this question. And I don't I know that, that Nora can hear you, and I'm gonna ask her the same question. I know that you um, have had failed relationships or relationships that maybe didn't end as perfectly as you might've wanted them to. Mm -hmm. Is there still that fear, even with all the good here that something's going to happen and divorce is coming or that you have to protect it in a different way because of that history?
1: You know, I feel like what is here for, for me more now is the determination that I'm not going to sabotage this relationship, that um, I'm going to diligently work on separating my wife from her illnesses um, and love her. We went into I went into this into my relationship into my marriage. I'm in the op- divorce is not an option um, by God's grace. Divorce is not an option, and it's going to take some hard work. And yes, there, are, I'm slowly bringing both feet back in because there's been instances where I felt like I got to go. I've I've got to go. I didn't leave, but I felt like I got I had to go. And I think. And, that, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Yes, ma'am. I, I think
0: that's a normal emotion, right? That we have this like. I'm like, They're gonna one. Maybe they're gonna figure me out, and they're gonna leave. Or before they figure me out, I'm gonna leave. Or this is getting kind of rough, and I don't want to deal with it, so I'm gonna leave. Or a combination go. of all of those on different levels.
1: This is getting kind of rough, and I don't feel safe. I gotta go. And I've there were flashbacks to childhood. Um, during those moments. And it's like, no, I, I don't feel safe. No, you just raised your voice at me. I know, because while it's you doing it, I'm flashing back to mom. I'm flashing back to a time where I wasn't 53 mm-hmm. years old and able to stand up for myself, but I was five and having to do whatever I could to calm things down to survive. And I'm not going to live that way anymore. So it's it's that for me is staying present and keeping both feet in and seeing my wife and not my mom or my this or my that.
0: And maybe too, I know, I know a little bit of Nora,
1: a lot of Nora's
0: story from knowing her for so long, but wondering too, if it's some of it too, is separating Nora from her mental illness as well. That like Nora is not her, and I'm going to let Nora share her story as well, but Nora is not her mental illness Nora is Nora and a beautiful kind human
1: that has made the biggest difference Amanda is seeing her seeing her the amazing her that she is you know
0: yeah and and I know that I worry in relationships that people are going to see my illness and not mm-hmm. me and of yes. course my illness is part of me um, and it's helped shape who I am, but it is not all of me, um, by any means. And thank goodness for medication and therapy and recovery, because it's made a big difference. Um, Amen to that. and, um, you know, and I'm, and so I know that, that in my, my newer relationship that I've, I've been in, um, I've always have that fear that like, he's going to see, that piece of me. And then he's just going to be like, all right, um, I'm out. Um, and you know what, every time I have one of those moments, he's, he's right there. And yes. it's a wild, it's a wild experience. That's not what I'm used to. Um, and it, it plays into the, I'm good enough and I'm worthy of love in good ways, you know, like, cause so often those are the opposite that we hear. Is there anything else that you want the the world to know about you before I, before we end?
1: I am a work in progress. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love um, that. Yeah, I, know. I say I am, what do I call it? Um, fabulously flawed and beautifully imperfect, you know, <sighs> doing my best to be the best me I can be.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much, Trina, for just being so vulnerable and sharing so much about yourself that's well personal and can be painful to share. So I really appreciate it.
1: Thank that's... you for having me.
0: So um, make sure that you guys come back because then you'll hear Nora's story and then you'll hear Trina and Nora together. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. So thank you for listening and learning more about how mental health and society meet. Now go out and open a conversation and discover how mental health is experienced in your world. You can find more episodes of The Mental Society in all the places where you find your favorite podcast. And please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. You can find additional resources on our website, thementalsociety.com. And remember that you are not alone in your struggles, that hope and help are all around you. And until next time, this is Amanda Dolan wishing you good health, mental and otherwise.